BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Happy New Year. Today is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2023. Ray McGovern will be with us in just a moment on the consequences of government lies. But first this. Judge Napolitano here. I love being a spokesperson for causes that I believe in, and one of them is the soundness of money. We don't have that anymore. The markets are casinos. The Fed is printing cash like it's going out of style. What is the government doing to my money? What is it doing to your money? Over $34 trillion in government debt, and that number goes up with every tick of the clock. The cost of living is unsustainable, and the cost of everything from eggs to bread is going through the roof no matter what the White House tells you. You can no longer trust the government or Wall Street or the bank. So how do you save now and for the future? Do what I did. Do your research. When I did my research, it led me to gold and silver, and that led me to Lear Capital, the leader in gold and silver since 1997. I know the folks at Lear. I work with the folks at Lear. I trust the folks at Lear. How do you reach them? 800-511-4620 or learjudgenap.com. You'll have a very nice conversation with a very knowledgeable person. There's no high pressure. They will send you literature that you can share with your spouse, and then you'll decide what to do. You might even qualify for $15,000 in bonus gold. Lear has been the leader in this area of investing for the past 25 years. 800-511-4620. And don't forget to ask about a gold IRA. Find out how diversifying your portfolio from stocks and bonds into gold and silver can give you peace of mind. The peace of mind you deserve. 800-511-4620. LearJudgeNap.com. And when you speak to these good folks, tell them the judge sent you. Ray McGovern, welcome here, my dear friend. Uh, Happy New Year to you. Thank you for all the time and energy and intellect uh, you've given us in 2023 and with many hopes and aspirations for our continued professional collaboration, much to the delight of your fans in our audience in 2024. Thanks, Judge. It's often been said that the job uh, of the CIA in fact, Mike Pompeo once said this in an, in an unguarded uh, moment, uh, is to steal secrets and lie about them. Do you think the public expects the government to lie? And do you think the public has the remotest conception of the consequences of accepting government lies? 
On the first part, Judge, I think most of the American people do suspect the government of lying. After all, the, the evidence laid out there, even if you just watch the mainstream media. As to whether they expect uh, the government to continue to lie and to, to have the consequences that we uh, have experienced, no, because they're brainwashed on a whole different narrative. It's always the Russians, the Russians, the Russians, the terrorists, the terrorists, the terrorists, Iran, Iran, Iran. They are, and I use the term advisedly, Judge, they are brainwashed. And so they don't realize what it is, for example, uh, for seven, eight years ago, this legend about the Russians hacked into the Democratic National Committee computers and gave us... Donald Trump, okay, they don't realize that that has been totally debunked now by court testimony. They don't know that, and so they can't appreciate the consequences. But the culture in your former place uh, of employment, uh, Mike Pompeo was, uh, of course, uh, military and then CIA and then a congressman and then the director of the uh, CIA, and then the secretary of state. Is he right when he said the CIA's job is to steal secrets and lie about it? Well, he said that in a uh, unguarded moment out there at Texas A&M, where he knew everybody would clap really loud. Uh, he, was, uh, he was having a little hubristic moment there. Uh, what he said was, uh, you know, we have all courses at the CIA and teaching us how to lie, cheat, and steal. I mean, it's really great. And everybody applauded. Well, you know, uh, yeah, that's what goes with the CIA overseas. What we try to do in the analysis part of CIA was tell it like it is. And that's why Truman set up the whole damn agency, right? So, yeah, uh, Pompeo is just the inheritor of a corrupt regime, malleable managers, I call them, put in place by Bill Casey and Bobby Gates, who would just salute if Casey said, it's the Russians that are responsible for all terrorism in the world, right? And they would say, yes, sir, Mr. Casey. Gates, yes, I see five Rus Russians under those rocks in Nicaragua. They got promoted. They, in turn, promoted more people. And when you get to the rock fiasco, when Bush and Cheney made clear that they wanted evidence, they wanted some kind of reason to substantiate an attack on Iraq. Well, we know that story. The American people don't know it very well, but they should know, in a, in a word, that after a five-year investigation by the Senate Intelligence Committee, its chairman... On the 8th of June, 2008, said the evidence adduced to justify the war in Iraq was unsubstantiated, contradicted, or even non-existent, period, end quote. That was a bipartisan decision by this, by this body, this Senate Intelligence Committee, and it was unanimous. So, you know, uh, that's the word right there, uh, uncorroborated, contradicted, and even non-existent, his words. What's non-existent intelligence look like? Uh, this was the most profound sadness I had when I saw my, my profession of intelligence analysis corrupted to that extent to justify a war of aggression. Did George uh, Tenet 
uh, tell the truth when he blamed 9-11 on the Saudis? You know, I don't know about that. Uh, I uh, I have not I've seen a lot of stuff. Uh, I know that he did not tell the truth about uh, about weapons of mass destruction. And I know that uh, he was responsible for having an estimate, a national intelligence estimate, uh, a fraudulent one prepared just in time for Congress to vote to enable Bush and Cheney to make war on Iraq. That is the document that Colin Powell relied upon at the UN. I think Colin Powell knew better, but he said it anyway. So Tenet has disappeared into the woodwork. I don't know where he is now, but he should be brought up on charges of starting an illicit and immoral and unnecessary war. Well, we know uh, that Colin Powell and Condoleezza Rice were of the view uh, that Saddam Hussein did not have weapons of mass destruction before 9-11. Somehow their opinions changed after 9-11. How do we know their opinions before 9-11? Well, Chris found these. Chris, let's run both of these clips. Colin Powell and then Condoleezza Rice before 9-11. He has not developed any significant capability with respect to weapons of mass destruction. He is unable to project conventional power against his neighbors. Uh, we are able to keep arms from him. His military forces have not been rebuilt. A reflection there of a change and that, many believe, was the truth, a truth that was covered up and conveniently forgotten after September the 11th, when Bush and Blair decided to attack Iraq. Why do you think they attacked uh, Iraq to uh, deflect attention from Bush's asleep at the switch on 9-11? Could you rephrase that? Why do you think we attacked Iraq to deflect attention from George W. Bush and Dick Cheney's regime being asleep at the switch on 9-11 or otherwise engaged on 9-11 or complicit in 9-11, however you want to look at it? Well, we know that the project for a new American century had Iraq at the top of its list, Syria, Libya. You know what happened to those folks, right? So this was something long in coming. Now, even those documents by these uh, neocons indicated that an explosive event, something that was really, really explosive, like a new Pearl Harbor, that would let them go much more rapidly into this kind of domination of that part of the world. So there is evidence out there. Uh, it's circumstantial evidence, and there's a lot of it. The question is, uh, they were going to go, do Iraq anyway. It was a matter of time. And Iraq was really a function. You know, I had been asked at a congressional hearing, well, can you tell me why? Why they falsified the information when it's for Iraq? Well, yeah, there were three reasons. One, I used the acronym OIL, okay, O-I-L. Well, O for oil, I for Israel, and L for logistics, the, the military, the bases, the permanent military bases that we coveted at that point in Iraq. Now, we didn't get the bases, okay? Oil, well, no, we didn't get much of the oil. Israel? Well, we, we removed the main threat to Israel as the Israelis saw it, and I b increasingly believe that it was that latter factor that had most influence in the decision, and I think the last several months has proved that 
uh, I've been accused of, uh, well, I was run out of the, <laughs> pretty run out of the hearing when these, all these Democrat uh, uh, representatives rose up and said, why could you, why would you say Israel? I say, I say Israel because CNN is on, C-SPAN is on there, and I'm an intelligence analyst. I don't need any money, and I don't need any job in the mainstream media. <laughs> Do you think when uh, Colin Powell lied to the uh, UN when George Bush was looking for United Nations support for his uh, invasions that the intelligence community knew he and Tenet were lying? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Um, I'm 95% sure, and I know that from Colin Powell's closest associate, Colonel Larry Wilkerson, who has a book, which I do hope he'll publish soon, which recounts exactly what happened as they were preparing that speech at the UN. Uh, they were going to they were going to dish away most of it. It was some of this stuff with respect to Iraqi uh, Saddam Hussein ties with Al Qaeda, rubbish. Okay, and they they went into this private room. This is from Larry Wilkerson, and Larry and Colin Powell said, "You know, this is crazy. There are no ties. Nobody says this except the Defense Department. Let's get that out of speech." They go back into the main conference room where I've spent many hours. With George Tenet comes in, he's, "Oh, we have a new report," and then a report says, "Aha, yes." There were ties. Here's a, here's a great report. Now, it was a report done under torture, okay? Now, Larry rused the day that he said, now, wait a second, this is a little fishy. Uh, who is this guy and how did he, who did he tell the Egyptian services? Well, that would de facto was under torture. So the answer to your question, Judge, is Colin Powell had been around a long time. Uh, Larry, of course, is very defensive of him. Uh, and, you know, Larry regrets that they that he didn't speak up either but they were misled by tenet uh powell chose the, the the easy way the professional way to join the crowd and lie through his teeth 95 percent knowingly in my view before the un because he, maybe he was he thought that uh I don't know what he thought, but you know this is what you, what happens when you get what, what what do you think most uh, intelligence agents thought the intelligence they had been totally corrupted. They had instructions from Dick Cheney, who used to visit CIA headquarters around down the block from where he lived. 
and tell them what they should say. This is documented. And my great regret is that I know some of those guys that wrote that estimate, and uh, they're not they're not still ready to own up to the fact that, yeah, they were used, and they were used in such a way as to justify an unjustifiable war. Now, that clip, let me just make a thing about that, the clip that you showed of Colin Powell in February 2001 and Condoleezza Rice in late July 2001. So same year that 9-11 happened in September. Now, they were telling the truth, okay? They said Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction, not even a threat to his immediate neighbors, and who found those clips. I didn't find them. We came out right on our diagnosis, but but the person who found that was John Pilger. Rest his soul. He died over the weekend. And it's his voice you see on that clip saying, yeah, that was the story before 9-11. After 9-11, as everyone well knows, everything changed. So to finish up here, before 9-11, Saddam Hussein had no weapons of mass destruction. Witness what Powell and Congolese Roy said. After 9-11, weapons of mass destruction descended from the heavens like manna to make a soft landing on Iraq where there was lots of oil that we coveted. I mean, hello. I had lots of mileage out of John Pilzer's clip there as I made lectures right after I discovered them. He came in and interviewed me, and I had not known who he was before, but I know now, and he is a, he's a champion, and I much regret his passing, but his example is there for all of us to see. His uh, documentaries especially are incredible. Here is uh, Colin Powell uh, before the UN. First, you will recall that it took UNSCOM four long and frustrating years to pry, to pry an admission out of Iraq that it had biological weapons. Second, when Iraq finally admitted having these weapons in 1995, the quantities were vast. Less than a teaspoon of dry anthrax, a little bit about this amount. This is just about the amount of a teaspoon. Less than a teaspoon full of dry anthrax in an envelope shut down the United States Senate in the fall of 2001. This forced several hundred people to undergo emergency medical treatment and killed two postal workers just from an amount just about this quantity that was inside of an envelope. Iraq declared 8,500 liters of anthrax, but UNSCOM estimates that Saddam Hussein could have produced 25,000 liters. If concentrated into this dry form, this amount would be enough to fill tens upon tens upon tens of thousands of teaspoons. And Saddam Hussein has not verifiably accounted for even one teaspoonful of this deadly material. I don't think that date up there was correct because he wasn't the Secretary of State in 2015, but it clearly was Colin Powell. He was clearly before the UN. And clearly, you saw it was behind him, Negroponte uh, and Tenet. Uh, almost as if to silence him if he didn't say what they had put in the speech. Well, yeah, that was the uh, a clip from the the five Fe February um, 
Colin Powell's speech at the UN. And I'm going to revise my estimate from 95% to 100%. He knew, he knew what was going on there, and he did it anyway. Why do I say that? Because our, our friend, Scott Ritter, was beating the doors down in Washington saying, look, I know from the, I headed up the team at UNSCOM, okay? Right. I know that they destroyed all those weapons uh, under UN supervision in 1996. And we have Saddam Hussein, son-in-law, telling the UN, the British, and us that same thing. Now, Colin Powell could not have escaped knowing that. And, of course, Ritter wasn't given the time of day, either by Colin Powell or by Joe Biden, who happened to head up the Senate Foreign Relations Committee at the time. So, yeah, he had to know that he was lying. He became a cog in, in the wheel of the bureaucracy. It's really sad to see a person who, before that, I had sort of admired. I had I'd briefed him. Uh, every other morning before I saw his boss Weinberger, I gave him, he was from the Bronx. We were friends. I'd give him a little insight into what I was going to tell his boss because that had to be one-on-one. And he was, he was appreciative of that. But then to watch him do this kind of thing was really, really sad, but it is symptomatic of how captured you get by, by the, by the bureaucracy and by the need to fit in with the rest of the guys and he fit in with the rest of the guys. Talk to Larry Wilkerson about that. He knows all this firsthand. And maybe finally he'll publish that book. Let's bring this uh, up to date. Uh, Ukraine is, uh, Ukraine war is effectively over. They have effectively lost. They are begging for cash uh, and military equipment. The Congress isn't going to give them any. The Prime Minister of Great Britain and the President of the United States are. Uh, according to the Financial Times and according to Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, contemplating stealing stealing Russian assets that have been frozen in Belgian uh, banks and converting those assets, I guess they're cash deposits or some sort of deposits, uh, over to uh, Ukrainian use. Just background to my question. Will the next lie be the war is a stalemate? See, we stopped Putin from reaching Kiev. Therefore, Joe Biden, I did a good job. Uh, Joe Biden uh, has not been truthful on all this. He's been very poorly advised. Uh, on your question about seizing those assets, there is no better way to shoot yourself in the foot internationally by doing such a thing. Now, the fact that this is being brooded about and contemplated, it, it sort of persuades me that Joe Biden is still calling the shots, for God's sake. You know, I, I had sort of dismissed the notion that he was, uh, he was one of a main player, but even Blinken and Sullivan and, and, of course, Secretary Yellen of the Treasury, you know, they must know what seizing Russian assets would do, and what would it be a stopgap, you know? There wouldn't be enough to, to fund what Ukraine needs for more than a couple more months. So when are they going to finally wise up and say, look, this is over. The fat lady is about to sing. Let's make the best deal that we can. Switching over to um, Gaza, is there any discernible military benefit 
to the for for uh, for Israel for the obliteration uh, of the Gaza Strip and the genocide exterminate genocidal extermination of the Palestinian people. There's no military benefit for it, other than the fact that once the Gazans are driven out of Gaza or killed, then Israel will feel a little bit more secure. There are two hopeful signs that I've noticed. Uh, some brigades, Israeli brigades, have been withdrawn from Gaza. And of course, the USS Gerald Ford has been called home to Norfolk. Uh, these are straws in the wind, Judge. But it's hard not to, to look at these things at face value and say, well, so we're pulling out one of our aircraft carriers from the area? That's a good thing. So uh, Israel's pulling out some troops from, from Gaza? That could be a good thing, too. So, again, straws in the winds, but let's not give up hope. Um, the Yemeni thing in the Red Sea is causing everyone to, to change their calculations. Uh, and Israel is really suffering economically Will the U.S. taxpayer keep Israel afloat at this this cost? I don't know, but I think Biden may be getting better example, better advice now with respect to the real present danger of uh, having aircraft carriers as sitting ducks out there in the Eastern Med. Here's um, a clip that we found for you, Ray. Nelson Mandela on the plight of the Palestinian people. I wonder what Netanyahu would think of this. One of the mistakes which some political analysts make is to think that their enemies should be our enemies. I explained to Mr. Sidney that we identify with the PLO because just like ourselves, they are fighting for the right of self-determination. Many Jews, members of the Jewish community in our struggle, and they have occupied very top positions. But that does not mean to say that uh, the enemies of Israel are our enemies. We refuse to take that position. You can call it being political or uh, a moral question, but uh, for anybody who changes his principles depending on whom he is dealing, that is not a man who can lead a nation. What do you think, Ray? Well, when you think about Nelson and when you think about Bishop Tutu, uh, where is the moral leadership today? Uh, I have an article up on my website today which talks about the unconscionable silence of church leaders, uh, whether they be Protestant, Catholic, whatever. Um, it's just you know a repeat of what happened in the 30s and 40s in Germany. Uh, moral leaders could not find their voice. Uh, Bishop Tutu and Nelson Mandela are dead. Have we no worthy successors? Great, um, great uh, observation. Don't know how this is going to end uh, in Gaza, but it appears to be ended uh, in Ukraine. Ray, always a pleasure, my dear friend. Thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to you 
uh, and Larry Johnson in the uh, Intelligence Roundtable on Friday afternoon. All the best. Thanks, Judge. Coming up at 11 o'clock this morning Eastern, the aforestated and praised Scott Ritter live from Moscow. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom. <laughs>